how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. This episode is brought to you by IronJohnGear.com. In between your creative pursuits, make sure to check out Iron John Gear for top apparel, footwear, fitness items, outdoor supplies, sports gear, and much more. Visit the website for top deals on things like lanterns, backpacks, tents, snow clothing, bomber hats, sunglasses, fishing gear, and more. Visit ironjohngear.com today and save money on your next adventure. In addition to Iron John Gear, make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. In the film Midnighters, Lindsay and Jeff Pittman are driving home from a New Year's party when they accidentally cover up a terrible crime that entangles them in a Hitchcockian web of deceit. In this interview, writer-director brothers Julius Ramsey and Austin Ramsey discuss their storyboarding process, loopholes for an indie thriller, what it was like to be a professional speechwriter, and the director talks about his work on shows like The Walking Dead, Outcast, and Battlestar Galactica. This is Jute. I got into filmmaking um, when I was a senior in college. I took a filmmaking class and decided that that's what I really wanted to do. And I um, spent an extra year at my college, like working in the film department, and then um, moved out to Los Angeles and started working. I got work as an editor on reality television shows and some documentary TV shows and kind of worked my way up from there, working into um, eventually into dramatic shows and directing. And this is Austin, and I guess I probably got into it because of Jude. Um, you know, grew up seeing whatever movies he brought home from the video store that were probably not appropriate for someone my age. Um, but then I went off and had a career in Washington, D.C., um, New York City, went to business school, and had always been passionate about screenplays and screenwriting and movies and after grad school, I decided that I would throw caution to the wind and move to L.A. and give it a go. And I don't think I would have done that um, if it weren't for having Jude already here and established in the business. So speech writing sounds kind of stressful. Do you find the two jobs, do you find one more joyful or one more challenging than the other when it comes to screenwriting? They're both, they're both pretty different. Um, I would say screenwriting, I mean, speech writing is more stressful in the sense of um, the deadlines and the work environment. And, you know, I was there at the Pentagon during 
um, sort of the peak of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. There are a lot of weighty issues that you don't deal with as much in screenwriting. And, and where I've been in the business, I haven't been under the gun with any really um, rough deadlines. I mean, there were some times on set when we had to rewrite a scene or two and, and the clock's ticking on the days and there's not much time where it's definitely a bit of a, a pressure cooker. But the sort of day-to-day is not um, is not as stressful. I think it's more fun, partially as a result of that, but also just that, yeah, there's more creative flexibility in you know, the screenplay. You can kind of do whatever you want with it. So this new movie highlights kind of the worst of the human mindset. Where did this idea for Midnighters originally come from? Oh, when I moved out here, we were trying to come up with ideas for, um, you know, a psychological thriller, psychological horror um, that was sort of a contained film. And so I had a few ideas, and one of them sort of arose from this bizarre news article I had read several years ago about this um, woman who had hit a man, and he'd gone halfway through the window out over the course of 24 hours, and she and her boyfriend he did nothing, didn't lift a finger. And it's just a really disturbing article. And I, I mentioned it, and strangely enough, Jude had read the same article, and, and it was years before, and it stuck in his mind. And you know, that was kind of the starting point, I think, less in terms of the actual circumstances and more of this question of, you know, people, we're always reading these stories of, of people who do extraordinarily, like, awful things, Um it's some of the worst things you can imagine, but it happens to ordinary people. And that was really the starting point. And then, um, you know, it evolved a lot through the writing process. And Jude had a lot of input on how he he saw it as a film that um, then sort of fed back into rewriting the screenplay and rewriting the characters and, and just making it a, a stronger story all around. I know in some other interviews, you guys have mentioned inspiration from Hitchcock films, Coen Brothers, uh, and the movies, particularly Shallow Grave from Danny Boyle. Can you elaborate on these inspirations? Was it the style, the story, tone, cinematography? What really stood out about those films or that particular film for you? I think um, uh, this is all. You know, I'll, 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 I'll just take the first part. I mean, writing the screenplay, there is the Hitchcock influence. It's just, a, you know, how you do a thriller on a structural element, so sort of rewatch the canon and thought through them. Um, you know, I'll, I'll leave the rest of it to, to Jute, because I think he really had the, the strong vision based off of his, um, you know, his directing talent. Yeah, I mean, I think they're, you know, similar in this kind of um, noir-like tone and sensibility of them, and, you know, trying to interject black comedy um, where appropriate and trying to, um, you know, just keep them moving. I mean, that's one thing I love about the film Shallow Grave is it's a contained film with a limited group of people, but the action is very propulsive. Like the, the, the film is moving forward really quickly, like the whole time. And I think that's something, you know, we were really going for, um, you know, with the pacing in this movie and certainly, you know, the look of it, um, it's kind of like a cool, dark, um, noir look and feel that I think we were able to achieve in, you know, the cinematography. So you have a television background on, on shows like Outcast and The Walking Dead. Um, with, with TV shows like that, there's a certain tone of the story you have to stick to, and you have a longer timeline for things to pay off. 
what was it like to build this world and then conclude a story knowing you only had about 90 minutes to make everything work? I mean, it's very different because, you know, you have to allow an audience to get to know the characters and establish some things about who these people are in like a very, very short period of time and then have enough time left to tell an engaging story that's going to come to a satisfying resolution. And you're not just doing that with one character, you're doing with all those characters. So I think you have to be a lot more efficient in what you do and a lot more selective um, and just really, you know, focus your storytelling time on building building these characters and shaping them in a way that in a TV show you can just, you know, have the characters do things and, like, act out, you know, scenes and go on, you know, tangents both in their dialogue and in their action that um, don't necessarily speak to specific character building or do it in a much slower way that you just don't have time for in the future. So this story takes place in a very uh, visually striking home. It's also being renovated throughout the story, so there's like tools that can be used for weapons and things like that lying around. Did you kind of improvise scenes, or did you restructure the script to add uh, production value or, or help with budgetary restraints with this house? Uh, I'll answer that. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, uh, we, you know, originally they lived in a very modest home, and we wound up finding this um, house when we were scouting for locations and we decided that this house um, was just so visually striking and so cool and would be such an interesting place to film as well as, you know, it helped us with with some of our logistical issues. Um, Given that we're in Rhode Island in the winter, we needed a place for, you know, crew to have offices and changing rooms and, you know, craft services and all that good stuff. Um, So this house really like, fit the bill for that, and in order to accommodate the house, we altered the storyline so that they were living in this bigger house, and we made the house look more run down. You know, we added some um, visual effects to the exterior of the house that you see in a few shots where the house looks run down with some holes in the roof and whatnot, some scaffolding on the outside, some boarded-up windows, Um, and then in the inside, you know, we created areas that were, you know, where it's under renovation. So that was all stuff that we added as part of our production design that, you know, in addition to accommodating like the house and integrating it as part of the story, I also thought that we thought that it added a cool, you know, aesthetic element to the story because when you're living in a house that feels renovated, everything sort of feels half done and exposed to the outside and it just feels, you know, off kilter, which I think, um, was a cool addition to the tone and the feel of the film. A lot of our listeners might be first-time filmmakers or preparing to make their first movie, and a lot of those uh, through that will want to make a horror movie or a thriller. I've read that you um, kind of overshot the violence, and you, and you could cut it back in the editing room. Do you have any other advice like that for shooting a first-time horror movie? Um, I mean, that's on the filmmaking side. I think... My advice on the production side, um, I think you can speak to the filmmaking probably um, a lot better than I can. But on the production side, is, yeah, I think go into it with your eyes wide open about how long and how difficult the journey will be. Um, everyone says that making independent films is a challenge, and it really is. Um, you know, every step of the process is is difficult, and when you're working in sort of the lower budget ranges, 
you know, there's always going to be a lot more work than there are hands to do it all. And so you're going to have to be flexible to sort of jump in on, on everything. And, um, you know, it's just being prepared to you know, go with the flow and change things that have to be changed because, um, you know, you're, you, you won't be able to control everything. And you know, that was like what Jude said with the house. It was, we kind of all of a sudden saw this amazing opportunity, um, for this, this great house that would make our, the production side of things so much easier, green rooms and offices and whatnot. And, um, it made sense to change the story to take advantage of that. And, you know, that happened. And, um, also like the hotel that they go to was also, that's like a museum that's just a mile away from our main shooting location. And we were going to try to match the interior and we got there and the people that run the museum were, were awesome. They're like, well, do you want to see the rooms upstairs? Because in the script, they'd originally been sort of a dive hotel rather than this, you know, weird, beautiful Victorian mansion. And we realized it was just such an amazing place to shoot that you absolutely want to change the story to take advantage of those realities. So I know that you, you got the idea kind of from that initial news article, but what, or did you have some other stories in mind at the time that you were debating between, or was it always kind of this story that you wanted to make together? Um, I mean, I feel like we had a short list of a few ideas, which at this point, you know, that was, um, that was almost four years ago exactly when we were kind of doing the initial brainstorm. I couldn't tell you what those ideas were. You know, for, for us, the sort of parameters that we had and um, in terms of advice also on, on, on people going in to make their first film, if they're in the ideas process, I mean, I think it is useful to sort of set boundaries um, of, of where you are going to look at your ideas because, you know, you can there's a million, billion stories you can tell. And so we knew that we wanted to have a constrained story that would primarily take place in one location and be a small cast, whether that's three or four or five people. And we also knew that, um, you know, we wanted it to be grounded in the real world, just our, our sensibilities for our first film. We, we didn't want to, um, do a ghost or a goblin or a magic mirror or anything. We wanted to do like, you know, a psychological thriller, a psychological horror. And part of that's the influence of Shallow Grave or another um, another movie, The Taking of uh, or Disappearance of Alice Creed, or is it Taking of Alice Creed? I forget which. Um, and so we really, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's the disappearance. Disappearance, right? Um, so we kind of started that we had those boundaries and that, that I think actually helps the creative process because you have, you know, certain boxes you need to tick. And, um, yeah, this one just cropped to the top pretty quickly. And, you know, it, it changed a lot from the sort of initial conversations about it as we, you know, we, we thought through other films we had seen. I mean, just the question of, well, how many characters do you want to have? You know, you, you go and look at the other films you like and, well, why does two characters not work? Why does three characters seem to work better? Does four characters in these type of movies, um, when does that work? When does it not? So, you know, we had a lot of those ideas bouncing around in our head. I've just got one more. I know we're coming up on time. Um, I wrote reviews for, this is kind of a fan question. I wrote reviews for a Walking Dead site. Do you have any, like, quick story about your time directing the show or any opinions about the upcoming season? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great show. Um, I mean, I can't really think of any um, specific uh, stories with directing. I mean, I will say the episode I directed in season four, which is where Daryl and Beth go and um, burn down the cabin at the end of the episode, um, we actually did burn down a real building, um, which is quite rare to get to do on the television show. And the flames were so hot that the makeup artist had the actors both wear uh, sunblock because if they didn't wear sunblock, they could have actually gotten a suntan from the flames of the building. They were that hot. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter. We also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook, How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monaghan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.